common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Uh, Rita, I, I here we have a special guest today. We do. Uh, let's go right to Errol Lewis. Of course, you know him from New York One. And Errol, uh, we are talking about the enormous, I, I should say, like the holdup on the subways this weekend over the death. That's the chokehold death of Jordan Neely. And there's so much stuff going back and forth. Bridges blocked, subway tracks blocked. And you wrote a really powerful column, um, basically talking about the system in New York. You It says, Jordan Neely was already dead. New York reckons with a homeless epidemic and a killing. Um, Errol, we're thrilled to have you here on the show. What, what are your thoughts as to where this case is headed and also how the system really let this guy down? Um, great to be with you, Rita. And hi, John. Hi, everybody there. Um, look, the, the, the thing I wrote, which is really what had bothered me for, for uh, really quite fr- from the minute this happened, was that we treat certain people in our city as if they're already dead or departed. We step over them. We ignore them. We condemn them to the corners. We give them the bare minimum of assistance. Uh, we don't hold our leadership responsible so that what we call a safety net or a healthcare system has is tattered and has so many holes and disconnects that it's almost inevitable that people are going to uh, remain in harm's way. And when we do that, and we do it year after year after year, somebody like Jordan Neely, whose life was tragic, absolutely tragic, his mother murdered and so forth, and never got the help that he needed, um, he slips through all of our fingers and and it ends up in, in tragedy. And that's what, what struck me most about all of this. Now, of course, everybody's got their own interpretation, and some people see this as a law and order story, and some people see it as like a Kitty Genovese story, what were bystanders supposed to do? And some, some people see it as a pure um, health or mental health uh, story. But in a lot of ways, it's all of those things. And I, I hope people will reflect on what we all collectively have, have done that maybe we could have done a lot better to, to take care of this young man. Earl, uh, you know, we've both been around for a long time, and it seems like uh, there was – Tens of thousands of people in 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 hospitals uh, ten twenty years ago uh, to help mm. these people, because a lot of these people just need help. And uh, uh, somewhere along the line uh, of ten or twenty years ago, we decided to slowly put them, uh, change their category, put them in the streets of New York, and make them homeless. And the same thing, we had the homeless problem, and then you have. Uh, the veterans uh, problem where we let put them on the streets too, instead of putting them in hospitals and helping them. What yeah, can we yeah. do to fix this? I mean, this is tragedy. Yeah. It, it's, you know, any way you look at it, including financially, it just does not make sense what we have done, but you know, penny wise and pound foolish. We, we, just as you say, we got rid of a lot of the institutional beds uh, that had been available and there, it was not a perfect system. There were definitely abuses, and that, I think, is what led to the deinstitutionalization. But, you know, it was supposed to be matched by or at least uh, succeeded by um, clinical care that would be available uh, if and when people needed it. And we have just, you know, just, just in the recent years, this is, uh, you know, typical of what we've done for a generation now, but we cut 800 institutional beds and turned them over for pure COVID. Uh, at the height of the pandemic emergency or at the start of the pandemic emergency. Okay, maybe that was necessary, but we're years past that now, and we have not brought the beds back online. And when you do that, 
there's there's you can almost foresee exactly what's going to happen. I mean, John, I, I talked the other day with the chair of the uh, mental health committee of the city council. She said a certain kind of uh, therapy that's available or, or therapeutic bed that's available, crisis um, uh, beds. Uh, there's, a, there's only 50 of them. Yeah, uh, there, there, there must be 5,000 people in the streets of New York. Oh, at it, least. It's not more. Errol, it's Tony Carbonetti. Uh, hey. Like John was saying before, we've all been around long enough, and, and you remember the, the Mayor Giuliani fight with the pastor on Fifth Avenue when, when uh, the mayor was taking people, when it was less than 30 degrees out, bringing them to shelters against their will, and the pastor said, you can't take them off of my steps. And Mayor right. Giuliani said, well, then open your doors and let them sleep inside if you really care about them, because it is not humane <laughs> to let them sleep on the streets. Okay? And it's the same issue here. If this person was known to the system, it's not humane to let them walk around the subway every day and threaten people. That doesn't help anybody. Definitely doesn't help the person that needs, the, the mental person that needs help. Uh, it's not helping him every day to have him walking on the street. You know, this is a philosophical problem that needs to be solved at the top. There is money. We're spending, what, $2.5 billion a year? And we're spending $5 million a day on the migrants. I mean, you think about uh, where the money is going. I mean, there's a lot of money going into a lot of directions. There's a lot of tragedy in this situation, a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting. If you did a, if you did a kind of um, a, a sort of an audit of um, all of the different public agencies that dealt with Jordan Neely, just in the last few years, it would include the MTA. It would include health and hospitals. He was at Bellevue. It would include Department of Homeless Services. He was in the shelters and out of the shelters. It would include the crisis uh, uh, outreach teams that are run by so the So this health shocked department. none of them. That's the problem. Yeah, and by the way, by the way, he was on a top 50 list. Did you yeah. see this, Earl? It, it just came out. He was on like a top 50 sure. list of somebody that who desperately needed help. Think of all the people that John was just talking about who are homeless and who are in this. He was in the top 50 list, basically, of someone who desperately needs help and recidivism and all these issues. So it was a blaring right. red sign, right, Errol? Well, I mean, you know, what happens is each of the agencies that I just listed and probably more, they, they kind of pass them along, like they'll get them stabilized. And so mm-hmm. they've had them for two the person for two or three days and they've given them some help and started yet another you know round of record keeping. Uh, and then they discharge them. They discharge them from Rikers or from health and hospitals or from a crisis respite bed run by the, the health department. And they're right back where we started. And that's the thing that's got to stop. Absolutely. Judge Weinberg, you got a question for Errol Lewis. No, I, I want Errol. I want to tell you this, this, and they don't talk about this often enough. There's a total linkage between the mentally ill and the drug addicted and the homeless. And that hasn't been addressed. There's only, when I was running special narcotics for the city, they, as a presiding judge, they did not have but one hospital that could deal with the combination of mental illness and drug addiction. So you try to wow. find a su- sufficient program to help somebody, and there just wasn't the place to put them. And that has to be addressed. And it raises the question, Errol, I don't know what uh, Mayor de Blasio and his wife did with all those hundreds of thousands of dollars that uh, was supposed to be devoted to these issues. What happened to that money, and why wasn't that spent appropriately? If you need more hospital beds, then you build a facility, even a temporary facility, to have hospital beds for them. Mm-hmm. It's not an answer to put them inside of city agencies, walking around city agencies. No more is it smart to put them in hotels and then destroy a hotel or a community. What say you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, the, 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 the Thrive program that you're talking about, which was the de Blasio approach, um, you know, look, he always said he deserved credit for at least surfacing the issue. But, 
in the end, he was also criticized for dealing more with what they call the worried well than the seriously mentally ill. You know, so they, they you know, they, they had this um, hotline and you could call if you were feeling uh, a little out of sorts or if you had a family member and you had questions. And that was probably necessary. That wasn't a bad thing. But the issues that we're talking about today and the Jordan Neely case, it's not on a, a continuum from it's not it's not a straight line from uh, I'm feeling a little upset. I need some time off from work. It's a long distance from there to Jordan Neely and to the thousand, the estimated thousand. That was the number I got from the, the head of health and hospitals of people who are who's got who've got these multiple problems, mental health, um, homelessness and, and so forth, and who are living on the street. Um, they know their names like they have a top 50 list. They have a top 1000 list. We know who they are. Wow. We can't well, sort of yeah. figure it out. Well, it's the same thing when I talk to the police commissioner. There's 3,000 violent criminals because I said to the governor and I said to the, to the mayor, yes. 3,000 violent criminals abusing New Yorkers. I mean, who, for whom do you represent? The 3,000 violent criminals in your, or the New Yorkers that want to be able to walk to restaurants at night? No, yeah. look, I, I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I, in fact, you know, what I think is like if there's 3,000 and you know where they live, why don't you go, you know, you got you got 10 cops literally for each one of them. Why don't you go to their house and say, look, we know who you are. We want you to straighten well, out. The guy last year that was arrested 114 times, I think he books himself now. Yeah. He just goes right, processes now, himself. No, the, the one other thing <laughs> Sadly, that, right? that, that disturbed me over the last week is that uh, congestion pricing. Are we putting, mm-hmm. look, I live in Manhattan. I think you do too, Earl. I mean, no, no, not yet. Not yet. You know, I'm never, I'm never coming if, there. <laughs> if, is this another nail in the coffin of Manhattan? Because no, 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 John. Why do you on. say I mean, that? It, it, I mean, you know how many empty stores I, I walk up and down Madison Avenue, Third Avenue, First Avenue. There's stores for rent up the up, up the gazoo. You get rid of you get rid of all that congestion and all of that gridlock and all that air pollution. And but they created it. They created it. The congestion. Uh, who, uh, I don't. I don't want to point fingers. But all, right. all I know for sure is, if you make it so that it's easier for me to drive my car there, and and there's virtually no cost if I get lucky, I would drive into the city every day. You know, but if you tell me. You're gonna. We're, we're gonna clip you. Whatever. We got a minute. We got a minute left. It's, it's your. You have the floor. What would you like to tell all New Yorkers? Uh, I would tell all New Yorkers. Um, please keep an eye on the Jordan Neely case and try not to think of it as Kitty Genovese or, or Bernhard Getz or, or anything like that. We made this mess together, and we're gonna have to work together to undo it and make sure that this doesn't happen again. It's not race. It's not criminality. It's not. It's not the, don't, don't think of it as something simple. You know, we, we made this happen and, and it's a really complicated question and we've got to make sure that people address it as what it is. We understand. Great point. We understand your point. And uh, some of the point that uh, was telling me before was the fact that this Marine was trained by our, our government to keep American citizens safe. Mm. Yeah, and his and his attorney put out a statement a little bit ago saying, you know, uh, basically, you know, we not apologizing, but quote, never intended to harm the homeless man. And that I believe that. Just, I believe yeah, that. it looks like it from what people well, are he's saying. Doing what a lawyer is supposed to do. I mean, we'll leave that up to the grand jury. You know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Errol Lewis, All thank right. you for being thank with you, us. Earl. We love you, Errol. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Errol. Thank you.